The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Good morning, good evening, and good night. Welcome to the SB Nation NFL Show. More specifically, it's Monday, Football Monday. Reminder, you can watch us live here on YouTube. Just search the SB Nation NFL Show, Monday, Football Monday. Follow us on all the podcasting platforms where you get podcasts. Uh, And also a reminder that this show is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Obviously, I am not RJ Ochoa. I am filling in for the very irreplaceable RJ Ochoa. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer at Pride of Detroit. Uh, with me, as always, on the ones and twos behind the scenes is also the irreplaceable and and well-respected and and maybe, I would say, the most reliable part of our team, Rachel Prevet on the ones and twos. And to help me, because it is not a one-person job to fill RJ shoes and for for that matter Pete Sweeney as well uh we've brought in a, a familiar face not to me personally but for uh all of you that are very familiar with the Monday football Monday show uh excuse me uh he is of course one of our our favorite contributors over at the bolts from the blue pod uh, podcast blog over there covering our wonderful Los Angeles Chargers Michael Peterson is here Michael thanks for filling in man yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I always love listening to RJ's introductions. And at first I was like, are we going to get the the <laughs> long-winded, full of compliments, jokes, uh, that type of intro today? And I, I think you did a phenomenal job. I almost thought it was RJ over there in the seat <laughs> as well. So I'll try uh, not to take that as an insult. No, not at all. No, no, no. <laughs> I think that's the highest of compliments. But uh, uh, glad to be here. I know it's been a little bit since I've been on, but uh, it's like riding a bike. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and uh, we're kind of in the swing of things here. It's it's July 17th, Monday, of course, uh, and training camp. It's training camp week. Uh, we're all kind of getting back into business. Uh, plenty to talk about this week. Some news dropped over the weekend. We'll talk a little bit about favorites to go first to worst. And, uh, and talk a little franchise tag as well. But before we get into anything, Michael, I know everyone loves icebreakers. You and I haven't, I, I think, officially met before. We've kind of crossed paths here and there. So be- mm-hmm. so before we get into anything, uh, I have two questions for you. One, okay. what is the, th- the, the best thing you did over your summer quote-unquote break? And two, okay. what's the Baker Mayfield joke? I want in on it. 
Oh, uh, I think I'll do the Baker Mayfield joke first because okay. I maybe have to think about what I've done this summer. Um, but there's honestly nothing really to it besides one day, or it was probably the first time I ever was on the show that RJ was like, has anyone ever told you that you look like Baker Mayfield? And I just said, no, not at all. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you stare at me hard enough. I think you can maybe see it, especially when I have like the off season, mm. uh, beard of neglect, you know, yeah. going on. So I can kind of see it, but I, I've gotten like other people like Stephen Amell has been one. I don't necessarily agree with these because these are all like extremely handsome people. And I just don't <laughs> feel comfortable when people are like, oh, you kind of look like this person. Like, actually, I want to say literally two weeks ago, someone said I look like Kevin Love. That was a new one. Okay. Um, but I mean, at what point are you just naming people that are brunette and have a beard? You right. know, like, are you just feeding me the first person that pops into your head? So yeah. anyway, the, the Baker Mayfield thing kind of became a running joke because every time I'd be on the show, RJ would just say something about it and I have to go, yeah, RJ, you know, it was funny the first 50 times, but <laughs> you know, whatever. I appreciate your, your candor here. Uh, but anyway, that's all really that is. It's nothing too yeah. complicated. Um, but as far as the best thing I've done over like, I guess the off season or our summer break as, sure. as football people, um, I can't say I've taken like any real vacation, but what I have done is I started renovating my basement mm. and right now I'm in an office that is going to be a nursery. So congrats to me. If hey. anyone doesn't know, I've got my first born on the way in November. Uh, thank you very much. It is a time to be alive, but then my office is going to turn into the basement, which will have like the gym and the, the better entertainment area of the house. So mainly I'm just super uh, excited about that. It's not like a vacation. I'm doing all the work, but right. it is fun to know what's going to be on the other side once I'm done. So it's a little bit of a cop out answer, but that's probably what I'd say. Plus, I mean, at this point, I think you're you're trying to build up energy for November, right? You're going to need it. Yeah. Let's not take a vacation and then, you know, just be tired by the time November rolls on. I think you're going to need all of it. Yeah, I know. It sounds like it. I think I'm going to visit my sister in Chicago like the weekend right before the season starts, uh, which will be fun. We're going to call that like our little baby moon if anyone's into nice. that. Uh, term but other than that yeah it's just been relaxing getting the basement done uh just enjoying the dead period before yes. what is going to rev up and kind of be our lives for the next however many months yeah and speaking of revving up uh we, we had some news rev up over the weekend yes, on we sunday uh most notably let's start with deandre hopkins uh choosing to the the tennessee titans uh has an i don't believe it's signed official but has agreed to a two-year mm -hmm. 26 million dollar deal worth up to 32 million dollars i think everyone's reaction to this michael was just kind of like huh that's kind of weird can you can you make some sense of this or were you kind of in that same boat of like that is not the matching i was expecting so funny enough what the exact thing you did was my reaction <laughs> yeah. i think i i saw it and it was it kind of just like scrolled across my phone and that was my thought i said huh i know we visited the titans right but that just seemed like a well i'm gonna entertain pretty much every team that wants to entertain me because I'm a veteran. I want to go to the right place. You know, maybe I get a free dinner out of it, what have you. But then he chose the Titans and you're going, okay, like the tight, this feels like a much better thing for the Titans themselves sure. than it is for Deandre Hopkins in terms of what you'd normally think he'd be uh, motivated by, right? It's, it's improving on his numbers, uh, continuing to climb up the leaderboards in his position uh, potentially win a championship. You know, you want to always think that is at the forefront of his mind. 
but he goes to the Titans. And well, the Titans, if you if you saw that really funny graphic this morning, I think it was on Good Morning Football or NFL Network, but it was the career leaders in touchdown receptions on like the roster essentially for the Titans. Well, if you also counted Mike Vrabel, their head coach, <laughs> Mike Vrabel led the Titans or currently leads the Titans in career receiving touchdowns with 12. And that all came when he was playing as a linebacker for the Patriots. So like if that doesn't tell you anything about their situation, they needed a DeAndre Hopkins. So he comes over and he's a, he's a veteran. He's well-proven. I think it's a good fit. If he just wants to be the guy, he's going to get the ball. He's just, he's flat out is we'll see what Traylon Burks looks like. Their second year player only had one touchdown last year, played through some injuries, but the guy's still good. He had his fifth best yards per game average uh, a year ago. He had his fourth best catch rate um, a year ago as well. Um, he's on the wrong side of 30, but at the end of the day, you know, he still had 717 yards in nine games, 64 receptions. The one thing I will say, though, uh, his seven and a half yards per target clip was second worst in his career. So you do kind of see the physical limitations and stuff that comes with he was never an elite athlete, but he still just has the nuance for the game. He still has great hands. He's going to be successful, but it will be interesting to see what he does in an offense that combined for less than 3000 yards passing between Tannehill and uh, Josh Dobbs a season ago. Uh, Malik Willis, you know, obviously we're kind of a little out on him with Will Levis being drafted. So it's just a lot up in the air. Um, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you wanted the best place for him, but at the end of the day, you can kind of connect those dots. Yeah. It, 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 there's a couple things that, that are interesting about that. Like part of me is like, okay, well maybe Tennessee was had such poor passing numbers over the years because they lacked a Deandre Hopkins. And what can it look like with a Deandre Hopkins? Obviously they had AJ Brown. And I think a lot of people also wonder why they didn't just pay AJ Brown than rather paying Deandre Hopkins. Um, but the other thing is like, this feels like, one of those weird ends to a player's career where you almost forget that they were on that team, you know, 10 years down the line, you're like, Oh yeah. Deandre Hopkins was a Titan for a year or two. And he had like a weird number. And, and I, I don't know, it's just, it's an odd choice for him. I, I, I also think it's kind of odd for the Titans because obviously like the the receiving core was, was, was bad, probably one of the worst in the league. He immediately vaults to wide receiver one and they needed that. But I guess my overall follow-up question would be, to what end? What what are the Tennessee Titans trying to do this year and next? Are they do they think they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders? Does this make them? Does that does this put them in the in the conversation? I don't think it does. I mean, they still have a long ways to go. I think across the board when it comes to the roster, obviously, obviously this makes them significantly better. And the AFC South is, you know, I would say there for the taking. Jacksonville's a team that's on the rise, obviously, and, and probably considered favorites right now, but. I just don't think this is, I mean, you add a 30 year old receiver to put you over the top. I don't know if, if they were a team that, that were a Deandre Hopkins away from going over the top. Yeah, I have to agree. You mentioned like a signing like this normally for a team is to show that they want to compete and it's a get over the hump move. Right. Well, when you look at their, their, their receiving core, did Hopkins adding him simply get them to the hump right. or closer to right. the hump? Because I, I don't think anyone seriously can say this puts the Titans receiving core over the hump. They're going to do some damage. We're really excited about this group. And I think you can be somewhat excited because they do have Traylon Burks, who was, you know, a size speed athlete at the position. Um, a lot of hype for him. You add in a, a complimentary piece like Hopkins, who is more of a, a possession receiver, big play receiver, um, a phenomenal hands, obviously. Um, but then what else do you have besides that? Yes, of course, Derrick Henry. You're going to run the heck out of the ball. Uh, but 
Vrabel wants to be, you would like to think, a balanced offense, just be able to throw when they need to, be able to run it when they need to. But no, I just cannot say that this is a move that makes you go, the Titans are in it. They are now among the teams that everyone has to talk about when they say playoff contenders uh, or anything like that. They just simply aren't. We'll see. Um, so it is an interesting move, but I, like you said, I, I just can't see it as of right now. And and from Hopkins' point of view, I, I mean, I guess I guess it's two things, right? It, it's the opportunity. It's being the guy, like you mentioned, and it's the the money, right? The Patriots were, were, I think, the other team that was kind of heavily in the mix there. And I think there are reports out there that the Patriots deal was nowhere in the ballpark of, of this one. Um, were, were you surprised to see him get, you know, 13 million a year? Is that is that a figure that seems worth? Or I mean, honestly, I could I, I think personally, it's relatively fair deal. Like this is a guy who probably still has the best hands in the league. He might not have all the physical tools he used to. And he might be more of a, you know, intermediate guy rather than your deep shot guy. Um but but were you surprised maybe it wasn't a little bit more, maybe even a little bit less? You know, uh, I, I think in the end, I feel like it's probably right where it needed to be. Yeah. Um, we know the talent's there, Yeah. right? We, we see it every day when he's actually on the field. But if you do look at his past two seasons, I think he has roughly between 1,200 and 1,300 yards combined um, over the last two seasons. He's missed games due to injury. He missed games. He had the six-game suspension to start this past season. So his numbers obviously took a hit, but – you still have to keep those things in mind, right? He's he's apparently in a phase of his career, though, where he's going through the injuries and the suspensions. So it's like you can't just assume he's going to be on the field for every single game. It's just not that time, that era um, of his career. So I think the money is correct. You paid him like someone who's going to make an impact on your team, but you're not breaking the bank for him because, like you said, he's in that time where it's the end of his career. He's on random teams all of a sudden. Like, you know, he joined the Titans and I go, oh, he's going to go the way of Julio, where Julio spends a year with the Titans and then he spends a year with the Bucks, And then you forget that he's even in the NFL, which is very unfortunate for a guy like Julio. And you don't want to see something like that happen to a DeAndre Hopkins. But it just kind of seems to be where things are headed. Last thing before we move on to our next topic, uh, back when he was kind of on the trade block, Hop Hopkins outlined three things that he wanted in his new team. He wanted a quarterback who loves the game, he wanted a great defense and he wanted stable management upstairs. How many of those three do you think he got? You know, I think depending if you have a conversation with Ryan Tannehill, or Will Levis, whoever's going to be throwing the ball, right. I think he might have all three or at least you have an argument for all three. Sure. He didn't say he wanted like one of the best quarterbacks. Right. He literally just said, do you love the game of football? I think you can probably check that off. Good defense. Well, they just gave Jeffrey Simmons a ton of money. They have good players on that defense. And we've seen Mike Vrabel get more out of players that may not be so named like brand name players. Right. So I think you can make a debate there. And then I think the Titans have been a well uh, organized organization um, and have good guys at the top making these decisions. So I think he probably nailed some of those things. It's just I, I don't know. It just feels like all those parts put together. The sum isn't as great right. as you would expect for the situation that Hopkins would maybe want for. Yeah. Yeah. He checked the boxes, but like how, how big were the boxes in the first place? Right. And I think, and, and I think when you think of all three of those categories, when you think of like a quarterback who loves the game is Ryan Tannehill. The first one that comes to your mind, probably not is, you know, a great defense in this league is, is are the Titans up there. You know, I mean, kind of like, like you said, Vrabel's a, a good leader of a good defense. They weren't great last year, but, but you know, they, Keeping Jeffrey Simmons around is obviously a huge part of that. And then when when you think of solid organizations, I got no qualms with how the Titans run things, but they're also not one of those guys that, that kind of jumped to your mind at the top of the list. So, like, mm -hmm. I, I'm with you. They, they, he probably got all three, but it's just not the prototype, I guess, of all three. Mm -hmm. um, but let's move on to the next category because today uh, is 
um, the the franchise tag deadline to sign a long term deal. So everyone who was given the franchise tag uh, has until 4 p.m. today, Monday, July 17th to sign a long term deal. If they don't get it done, they'll probably sit on that franchise tag or get traded or sit out the season if things get dramatically bad. So uh, we saw the first movement of this happen also, I believe, over the weekend. Evan Ingram and the Jaguars agreed to a three-year, $41.25 million deal, $24 million of that guaranteed. Basically a two-year extension from him. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on that overall deal? Uh, I thought it was a good deal. I thought they're getting a guy under wraps, at least for the next few seasons, that is kind of hitting his peak as a player. It took yeah. him a little bit because he definitely was like, the ideal flex tight end, maybe a little bit shorter. I mean, I think he's like a true six, three, um, maybe just over 240 pounds. If not, maybe even under, he is a slender guy. So he's not going to be like your all around George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, what have you, but he made an impact in this offense. Uh, he had career highs in both receptions and receiving yards with 73 and 766 respectively. His four touchdowns were the second most in his career. And I want to say, I just looked at it before the show that his 74 and a half percent catch rate was first in his career. So, yep. I mean, the guy is living his best life with the Jaguars and it seems like, you know, their quick turnaround under Doug Peterson really stemmed from, Doug going out and getting guys that he knew that can come in and be a part of the team he wanted to create. I mean, were they the the greatest names in the world? No, like people probably laughed at the Christian Kirk deal initially because they thought that was a lot of money for a guy who'd been between a wide receiver two, three on his previous team in the Cardinals. But then he comes out and Christian Kirk has a great year. Evan Ingram has a great year. I mean, whatever concoction cocktail they made with all the different pieces of the Jaguars, it worked out this past season and Ingram was a big part of that it was also the first year that he played 17 career games and I believe we've only been playing 17 regular season games last two seasons but that's also good to see right there's just all these things that are peaking for Evan Ingram and so I don't think it's outlandish that the Jaguars said you know what let's like keep him with us through this peak and then kind of deal with it later and it sounds like there's a ripcord or something that it can have him hit the market at 31 and then we'll see where he goes from there yeah no I, I think I think I'm right there with you again um you know Evan Ingram probably isn't the first guy you think of when you think of top tight ends in this league, but his production is getting there and the Jaguars found a mix. And, you know, a lot of times I think we're, we're too eager to call guys busts or, you know, not good players just because they're not fits with the guy, the teams that draft him. And, and, you know, he had a productive five years in New York. It's not like he was a bad player in New York, but he didn't, I think reach maybe the expectation for him there. And then you, you fit him within an offensive, you know, a, a good quarterback, a, a good coach ways that, you know, a, a person who finds ways to use them and suddenly you're, you're one of the more productive tight ends in the league and he's getting paid like it. 13.75 million in a year puts him about six between Mark Andrews and David and Joku, which feels just about right for him. Honestly, that feels like a good spot for him. And he's still not, I mean, it is, he's entering what year seven of his career. And that, that might sound like an old age, he's 28, but tight ends are, are one of those positions where I think you can play to your mid mid thirties really. And it's not like this was a an outlandish deal. It's three years. It's not not breaking the bank. It's not de- devoting long term. And like I said, like it's really kind of a manufactured two year deal. It's a way. There's an easy way for them to get out. Uh, it seems like a healthy deal. And you know, you're you're doing right by your players, right? You, franchise tag is always one of the the most polarizing things. And so I think just coming to a long term deal buys you some goodwill in the locker room. Buys you some goodwill from Ingram himself. And, and you're going to get the best version of him this year because you you went out and, and made that deal. So uh, smart deal for them. Um, let's move on to the other guys um, who have the deadline. This, again, 4 p.m. on Monday have not 
come to a long-term agreements yet. First, we have Cowboys running back Tony Pollard, who did sign his franchise tag, which likely means they're probably not going to be uh, pushing a, a long-term deal. There's also Saquon Barkley of the Giants and Josh Jacobs. Maybe noticing a pattern here, all running backs. Uh, so let's start there. Um, is this is this just the future of the running backs? We're just we're just going to franchise tag these guys because we're too afraid from the the horrible history of second second contracts with these running backs. Is this is this the new normal here? I unfortunately think it is, and yeah. that's just so unfortunate. I'm a big fan of the position. I've always been a big offensive line guy, so like by proxy, running backs kind of come with it in terms of. Like when you run the ball really well, that's just like an example of being able to see your offensive line dominate and be the type of you know group that you want them to be. So at the same time, like if running backs become more expensive and popular, then I think it just kind of brings more love to the trenches as well. Just because when a quarterback's doing well, all eyes are on the quarterback. If running backs are doing well, you kind of also look at the offensive line and go, yeah, this group's awesome and it gives the big guys love. So I do like to kind of see all that. Um, but unfortunately, yes, I do. I just do think that's what it is. It just yeah. like we, the 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 zero running back thing went to you know fantasy was a big thing, and then now in real life football, there's just not a lot of love. That's it, it's weird to think that a player can have an elite season by their positional standards: fifteen hundred yards rushing, five hundred ish yards receiving, fifteen touchdowns, and then it's like, all right, time to pay the guy, and they're like, ew, running back, <laughs> gross, right. And then they just give him like a deal that's nowhere close, right? Like obviously as someone who covers the chargers, we're dealing with the Austin Eckler situation. And, and even after getting a little bit more money, I think he's making after his incentives that are like guaranteed for him to hit pretty much just by the standards. Uh, he'll make, I think a little over eight or eight on the dot, but he's still kind of voicing some displeasure with his situation. And I don't blame him for feeling like he's the guy in the spotlight right now to show that, uh, or that he has a chance to show that the running back position is being undervalued. He's pushing for his position and his fellow peers. And I think that's admirable. Um, 10.1 million for Tony Pollard on the tag, uh, I think is really good for a running back who just kind of had his sort of breakout year. And it wasn't even as the running back one. It was as, you know, someone in a, a tandem. And now he's going to be the guy. And I think 10.1 is probably good for a guy for what he's done and what they think he's going to do. Um, interesting enough, I saw a tweet from Jane Slater uh, just before the show that said she heard there wasn't any extensive discussion regarding a long-term deal pretty much at all between the sides through the past few months. They're, they're happy with where it is. They're happy to deal with whatever comes with after the season. I, I, I want to think that if he balls out and has the season, I think a lot of people have predicted for him, he'll make more money good money somewhere else it may not be crazy um but i think pollard will be fine yeah this is this is a really tough situation for the running backs and and you know shout out to all the running backs that are standing up and and, and trying to get that long-term deal or speaking out but at the same time like as, as someone who who follows all this sort of stuff closely and you know following the lions there's there's been a lot of talk about positional value when it comes to, i mean they drafted jameer gibbs 12th overall they gave david montgomery a pretty significant deal and I've generally cited on the general manager's side where it's like, yeah, I, I wouldn't pay, I wouldn't shell out a ton of money for this position because in large, a lot of their production is based off of your offensive line. And in large, we've seen late round picks and undrafted guys come in and, and, and fill the role at an admirable level. At the same time though, like I always want to side with the players with, with things like this, right? You never really want to sign with the big side with the big wigs. And these guys are, I mean, it's one of the most grueling positions in, in football, right? Like you are putting your body on the line, whether you're even getting the ball in your hands or not, like you're, you're pass protecting, you're, you're blocking, you're, you're running. It's, it's a thankless job in a lot of ways. And, and it seems like it's becoming even more and more thankless. So 
I don't I don't know if, how this tailspin ends, right? Like how how do you get NFL general managers to suddenly believe that the running back position is is more valuable than you're you're making it? Um, because it feels like these trends just kind of continue to go in that direction, unless you know the and unless NFL offenses change, right? It's a passing league too, right? And so I think I think maybe the way out of this is a trend towards more receiving backs, right? It's it's what the Lions are using to kind of justify the, the Jameer Gibbs pick. If you have guys like him, Saquon is, is obviously included in that group, Christian McCaffrey, those backs, Alvin Kamara, Eckler as well. Like those are the kind of backs that might see a resurgence in, in salaries, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there really is a way out of this. And it is, it is unfortunate because these guys, they used to be the fr- faces of the franchise, right? Like you look at some of the most storied players in this league's history. A lot of them are running backs and, and, and they're still, they're still producing amazing plays and highlights and, and we'll all profit off that. But for some reason we're, we're leaving the running backs in, in the cold here. And so I don't know, do you, do you have an idea of, of whether this tailspin will ever end or will it change? I guess drastic, will it, will it take a drastic shift in NFL strategy, offensive strategy for that to happen? I think the the best answer, the short answer is probably what you just said, which is like a dramatic shift in just the NFL landscape to push teams in that direction, um, because we've just seen that 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 seems to be what spurs on any sort of change. It's just someone does something different, really cool. And everyone goes, oh, that's awesome. Right. Let's give it a shot. So like as you were kind of talking about, you said that the best names, a lot of the best players ever play the running back position. And I, I've brought that up several times in other conversations where I'm like, would you look at a Barry Sanders, a Walter Payton, look at those guys in the face in their prime of their careers and say, dude, I'm so sorry. Like you're what on the path to be the greatest ever. It's just like, you play running back. Like we're just, we, we can't, what do you, what do you mean? 10 straight thousand yard seasons. I mean like, yeah, but what have you done for me lately? I mean like this is the type of stuff that just doesn't make a lot of sense. When you think about hall of fame, uh, NFL Mount Rushmore's for teams, franchises, what have you, there's a running back usually on that team yeah. for the chargers you have ladanian tomlinson right you have walter payton for the bears barry sanders for the lions i mean you just have they're right there yeah you can't tell the story of the nfl and a lot of these franchises without mentioning one of the greatest running backs of all time so to think that the same position people of like the nfl and everyone who runs it is looking at this position going eh like and what what's what's killer though is like it, when a seventh rounder comes into the league as a running back, right, and does super well, that's amazing. That's a great story. Right. It's awesome. But that adds to this, uh, the theme of that, like, expensive running backs and top-tier running backs aren't worth it. Because, you know, Joe Schmo over here from, you know, Utah State Tech <laughs> comes in and rushes for 950 yards as a tandem back, and then people are like, well, we'll just stick with him. Right. Like, y- you love to see it. But unfortunately, that's just part of what's kind of killing uh, this unfortunate narrative. Yeah, it's it's good for the player, good for the story, and somehow bad for the position, which seems counterintuitive. But yeah. they can't win. Yeah, <laughs> they can't win. That's exactly right. Um, so of these guys, it, like I said, it, it doesn't sound like Tony Pollard is, is necessarily even interested in signing an extension. But do you think anything gets done be- between Saquon and Josh Jacobs, or are they kind of doomed to to really suffer this this running back curse? This is tough because I mean. Either one could happen, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's the NFL. Like, I, I just right. kind of expect it. Um, with Barkley, the resurgence he had and what that did for the team, obviously going to the playoffs, winning a playoff game, um, 
I could see the Giants convincing themselves to make sure something gets done with Barkley, usually because of, again, that, like, what have you done for me lately mindset? Well, look what he did for the team, what he look, what he helped them accomplish a year ago, um, I think is great. But the thing with Jacobs is, you know, he he plays on not a long-term deal in 2022. He has a career year. He's the first, I think, uh, rushing leader for the Raiders since Marcus Allen in, like, 85, 86, something like that. But they didn't make the playoffs, and they had, like, you know, a really lackluster year after the whole AFC West was supposed to be really good. Um, so then you could easily see the Raiders going, well, like you just saw what comes with you having a great season and like the rest of the team didn't have a great season and we ended up, you know, not winning that many games. So then you could see them potentially going away from that. So I really don't know. The identity of the Raiders used to be this run heavy offense, run first type of style. Um, but it just hasn't, I mean, it was that, but then you just saw the rest of the team falter and they're going to go, well, like we can't just win by running Josh Jacobs. We need to put money and build the rest of the team because we just saw all these shortcomings we have a year ago. So I could see something probably not getting done there. Yeah. I, I think of the two, I, I would probably put Saquon as, as the most likely as well. And, and part of it is what I was just talking about earlier is he he brings kind of that balance of, of running and, and receiving not to, I mean, J Josh Jacobs, I just looked up his stats and I was actually kind of surprised to see he's back to back 50 yard reception season. So he's no slouch in that category either. Um, but maybe not necessarily on the same level that Saquon can and, and, and has in the past. And I think, I think the biggest thing with Saquon is he proved he can stay healthy, right? That was, I think the biggest question mark going into 2022 is like, okay, yeah, you're, you're a great back, but how can I rely on you being on the field plays a full 16 games last season? I guess, I guess not full, a, a, a close to full uh, 16 game season. And, and like you said, just, you know, better team results overall. And they, and because their identity, like you said, kind of sur surrounds Saquon Barkley in that run game. That's how they, that's how you kind of unlock Daniel Jones, really. Like if you take Saquon Barkley out of that offense, how efficient is, is Daniel Jones going to be? And you just paid him quite a bit of money. So it, I, I would be surprised if, if they have confidence that, you know, we'll, we'll ride out Saquon for a year and then figure it out after that, when you just made a heavy investment in your quarterback, which, has has undoubtedly benefit benefited highly from Saquon's uh, appearance. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, all right. Let's move on to our next topic here. Uh, one I'm all not all that eager to talk about, and it's the New York Jets being featured on Hard Knocks. Uh, the NFL made finally made up their minds when it felt like this was kind of the destined uh, choice from, from the beginning, which means more Aaron Rodgers on your TV, uh, more New York market being uh, all up in your face. 
Uh, Michael, first of all, are you are you a Hard Knocks guy or have you kind of been tired of that franchise for, for a while now? So I can't ever say I was a, I was ever a huge Hard Knocks guy. Yeah. Um, I think I watched a little when the Browns were on uh, back when some years. And then obviously watched when the Chargers were on Hard Knocks. But I'll always have qualms with that that season because it was also split with the Rams. Right. And so like every team who gets to enjoy their team on Hard Knocks, they love it, of course. They get all the inside looks and stuff like that. So when the Chargers were on, they like split it. So you only got like half of what every other team ever got when their team was on Hard Knocks. So that was great. I really did enjoy it. I think I, f- I saw myself on an episode. I was on Anthony Lynn's laptop. I was a little blur, but I knew it was me. So that was really cool to make my own debut on HBO. Uh, but other than that, like there's a lot of stuff lately. It used to be so cool to see behind the scenes stuff, but yeah. there's like a lot more now. Quarterback obviously just came out and there's just a lot like each team actually does their own series. I know yeah. the Chargers do one called All In where they do essentially the hard knocks thing just by themselves you know so i would say the mystique and what's made hard knocks really really cool and unique it's not as like it's not as isolated anymore right every team does their own thing but leave schreiber is still leave schreiber <laughs> and i had there was the quote yep. from rogers that was like you know i'm just you know hard knocks will be whatever we'll get through it but he called leave schreiber the voice of god and <laughs> you just kind of love to see that respect for like someone else in a completely different uh area of work and like leaves just so cool so um i am excited to possibly watch a little bit what i think is going to be really interesting is just the dichotomy between rogers and wilson like the contrast between the two Mm -hmm. because they're like i would assume very different people right so seeing them work together and wilson doing the whole like i'm gonna make the other quarterbacks life hell stuff and rogers being like no you're not but like i just think it's gonna be really interesting to see those two together and that's probably what i'm most interested about yeah, as, as someone who was also on on Hard Knocks, uh, shout out to the HBO crew last year, uh, fitting me in next to Panay Sewell, making me look like a very small human being. Um, yeah, I, I I've actually I've been a a pretty big fan of the series from the get go, and and I think what you said is is very much true in that like because there's so much behind the scenes content now, whether it's internal or external, um, you know, it it has diluted the the show a little bit. I mean, it's also it's also it's hard for that show to keep up with the fast paced nature of news these days where it's just like, Oh, you're covering this guy getting cut. Now that happened 10 days ago. Right. And, and it's not their fault. Obviously they, they can only do so much in, in terms of a, a weekly turnaround. Um, but it, it eliminates some of the excitement. Like you'll see, you'll see people tweet out like hard knock spoiler. This guy got released and you're like, Oh, well I wanted to watch that on the show. Like, um, and so that takes away from it. But I, I still think, amongst all sports NFL films reign supreme. Like they do such a good job with everything they do. Um, they, they're, they're funny. They, they live driver. Like it says is amazing. Um, they're not afraid to show some things that are, I mean, some of the most iconic moments behind the scenes moments ha- have come from hard knocks, whether it's, you know, Rex Ryan talking about eating snacks or, um, all of us watching, you know, certain people, I mean, we watched the Antonio Brown thing kind of unfold on, on the Raiders hard knocks a couple years ago too. So, you know, you hope maybe there's some sort of big incident like that. Um, some sort of drama thing. And, and listen, it's Aaron Rodgers. There's, there could be something dramatic that happens uh, in the fold, but at the same time, I've, I was, I was thrilled that Aaron Rodgers left the division so that I no longer have to talk to him. And of course he goes to one of the biggest markets in the country and now he's on hard knocks. And it's like, I can't escape this man. 
Um, I have to see, I have to see clips of him on, on Pat McAfee every week. And, and now I'm going to have to see him every week on, on hard knocks. And so it's just, it feels a little played out. I, I'm here's the thing though. Like I am a sucker. I, I I'm a hypocrite. I'm going to watch. I, 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 I live for the drama, even though I, 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 I say, I don't want it. Part of me still wants it. And so I'm still, I'm still going to watch, um, when, when I get the opportunities, um, obviously training camp is kind of a busy time for all of us. Um, much easier to consume it when they're, they're covering the team you're, you're covering, but, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think I'm still going to watch. So, uh, are, are you in that boat or are you, you're going to, you just watch I'll, the clips as they come on on social yeah, media. Yeah, I'll pay attention. Uh, I think it would be fun to watch. So besides, you know, the the Rogers and Wilson stuff, I think Salah's just like yeah. a great dude, and yep. I think he's gonna win a lot of fans. I think you're just gonna see him in like his natural habitat. I bet they have him on a scene just getting it going in the in the weight room. Oh yeah, like I like just he's he's ripped out of his mind. He's doing something super impressive. Everyone's gonna be like. I like the Jets now. Like, there's just going to be some fans who are like going to follow the Jets because of like whatever Sala does in, in this show, which I think is great. And he deserves all of that because he's a phenomenal guy. Um, but yeah, no, I will, I will probably never sit down and go, I'm going to watch Hard Knocks over everything else I could be doing at this time, but I will watch some clips. I'll find the viral moments and uh, just go from there. Yeah. It, th- that's kind of an underrated part of Hard Knocks too, is like highlighting the head coach. Obviously last year with the Lions, they, they kind of highlighted the the entire coaching staff. And and I think that phenomenon that you just explained, a lot of people became Lions fans, became Dan Campbell fans after seeing him. Robert Sala, same, same coaching carousel year, uh, a guy that almost, you know, was hired by the Lions. And so I think Lions fans might be interested if they're, if they're, sickened by Aaron Rodgers. I think, I think maybe Robert Sala may, may pull him in. He's also a Detroit native too. So uh, interesting storyline there, but let's move on to what will be our, our final topic. And we'll, we'll kind of have a, have a long discussion here because we, we commonly talk about the worst to first candidates because that sort of thing tends to happen every year. And we all like optimism at this time of year and, and thinking our, our bad teams will suddenly be good the next year. What we don't talk about as often, um, partially because I don't think it happens quite as often is the first to worst candidates, the teams that finish first last year and now may finish last in their respective divisions. So let's go down maybe our, our biggest can't maybe rank them one to one to four ish. Cause I think there's some teams on here where we're not even going to be considering uh, falling down to worst. So let, let me go through all eight teams that are eligible here. And then uh, I'll throw it to you in terms of maybe your fourth uh, most likely candidate to, to go first or worst. So in the AFC, we have Bills, Bengals, Jaguars, Chiefs, Eagle, and then in the NFC, Eagles, Vikings, Bucks, 49ers. Um, do we, actually, let's, let's eliminate some, let's eliminate four of these teams that we're not even considering. So I imagine Chiefs, we can just throw them out. Yeah, Chiefs. I mean, I always say this is the Chiefs division until someone takes it from them. And as it stands, Sure doesn't seem that way. Knock Chiefs off. Fair, fair to say the Bengals are probably also off off your list. So I actually I would put them before the Bills. Okay, I, I have Bills just just based on yes. uh, strength of division. Yep, like it just kind of makes more sense that if the Bengals slip kind of at all, and these other teams produce the way they kind of look like they can. True, that might be a little murky. Okay. I would probably do so. I would knock off Bills because I just I still think that they are in a pretty good spot revolving their division. The, the, I would say that division's kind of tricky though. Like, I don't sure. know if the Patriots are going to jump everyone, but like, obviously we just talked about the jets. They're a team that, that could take a jump from, you know, not a horrible season, seven to 10 last sure. year. And then the dolphins are, are, you know, a two away from either being a great team or a bad one. I think that's very fair. I think 
I think when you remind me of Aaron Rodgers, obviously we just talked about him. Yeah. That, yeah, sure. I think that all of a sudden puts the AFC East in like the same murkiness that I would consider like the AFC North. So yeah. sure. I think the Chiefs for sure. Yep. Um, why don't you make the decision of Bengals or Bills and we'll go from there. All right. Let's let's take out. You know what? We've we've been hating on the Bills a lot in this podcast <laughs> of late. We're, we're going to give them a, a week of we'll spare them for a week. The Bills okay. are not on our, our, our top four candidates of first to worst. OK. And for NFC, I mine would be 49ers Eagles. I think yep. they've got probably the strongest. Not so much like, I mean, the Cowboys are still, you know, in the division with the Eagles, but right. the Eagles also just seem that good. And then the other two teams, Bucks, Vikings, very much are like the two up there yes. for them. So Eagles, Eagles, Niners, call it a day with them. Okay. All right. So our, our remaining four candidates now are Bengals, Jaguars, uh, Vikings, and Buccaneers. And I think we already talked our way into probably naming the Bengals as the fourth least fourth most likely i guess at this point to 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 go worst to first first to worst sorry yeah you know i'd off. say so yeah. yeah i mean this this defense like the offense is going to be good i think this is a defense that they've gotten a lot out of their players without them being some of the best of their positions or at least normally these name brand players and like there's just a chance i see of that defense like kind of coming back down after a good year or two um that would leave me to think that they could uh, come back a little bit but i think out of those four the Bengals are probably least likely yes to go from first to worst yeah and and like you said i think i think a lot of it a lot of i mean the, the afc north is just a fascinating division year in and year out and it feels like there's always at least three contenders in that division i think the steelers are we've mentioned it a couple times on the show like they're a candidate to take a, a big jump this year um obviously a lot depends on the quarterback situation and and how big of a year two jump he can make but I mean, no matter what, they're going to be a 500 team because Mike Tomlin is there. Like, it just it doesn't matter what else is happening with that roster. They're going to be a competitive football team. They're going to take the Bengals to, to you know to the fourth quarter pretty much every time they match up. And it's, it just feels like there's a lot of teams beating up on each other in that division, and, and that can keep things close. But I don't know how you can expect the Bengals to take a significant step back at this point um, that that would require them to fall to, to last place um, in in that division because I mean Joe Burrow still. The, the second best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. So that alone, I mean, it would, it would take an injury to him and sorry, Bengals fans are even throwing that into, into the aura here. But if, if the, anything short of that happens, like I think this is still a, a, a top at the very least two team in that division. Yep. I absolutely agree. So, I mean, if we, if we just say Bengals off, I mean, Jaguars then seems to be our, our team for the AFC. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I and, and, and I mean, it, it's tough because I don't I don't even like having them on this list at all either because I think they're you know if, if we were ranking these straight one to eight they might they might be six right in in terms of most likely to go first to worst because I don't know it, it, it seems like they they've quickly gotten things together that they've always had a decent roster and now that they have Doug Peterson leading and and a, a quarterback that, that has a good coaching staff around him they're only going to get better and they were one of the most fun teams to watch last season. They obviously go out and win a playoff game at home, probably when they should have lost. But at the same time, sorry, didn't mean to do that to you. Um, mm. uh, but at the same time, like it feels like that was just the beginning for them. It feels like they are very much on the rise. They are very much figuring things out. And um, it's no no offense, but I'm just I'm not in love with with that division either. I, I think there's just I don't know. There's a, there's, there's a lot to still figure out with that division. And I don't, I don't have a team that I think is, I mean, obviously the chiefs, but I mean, the the Raiders and the Broncos, 
they, they went through a lot of changes this offseason. I don't know if Sean Payton is going to turn things around in year one of Denver. The Raiders, to me, are a team that, that it, at least is going to take a year or two to rebound from the Derek Carr era. So, uh, you know, I could see the char- I, I I'm sorry. I'm getting my divisions mixed up here. Uh, I, I was thinking of the Chargers. Uh, the Titans are a team that we, we we just talked a bunch about. I don't see them as huge contenders. The Colts very much still figuring things out. And, and I, I like what the Texans are doing, but again, a, a team that is years away, I think, from, from really being a good contender. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just think, I think this is Jacksonville's division for the next three or four years. Yeah, I, uh, I'd have to agree. I think you set the stage for uh, the Jaguars to, I mean, really, realistically on paper, what we see with our eyes, like this team looks good. Um, they're kind of just like a victim of the Bengals, Bills and Chiefs just being so far ahead of them in terms of like divisional dominance that they are going to be the one that, that we do say is probably the highest chance to do this, but also they're still. I, when it comes to Jaguars, they could because we don't know what's going to happen this season. They could easily be a team that was really good this one. And then all of a sudden really take a step back. Maybe they they barely push for 500, if not even fall under. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen because, as you said, this division is just not that strong underneath the, the Jaguars. So, like, their floor is just going to be that much higher because they should, for the most part, sweep the majority of their division and then that sets their win column you know pretty high already and they take care of business elsewhere and they're they're probably good in the playoffs again so it's it's probably they're probably not going to take a step back a big one but could they take a step back yeah but that doesn't mean that they're also still not going to win the division because that's just where the the state of the division is right now um but yeah i mean let's go over to the nfc with bucks and vikings uh you are an nfc north guy yeah. how do we feel about the vikings this year i've, I've said it for, for the past, you know, four or five months, I, I think, I think they are a legitimate candidate to go last in the division. I, I think, I mean, you look, you look around, right? The Packers, for some reason, people think like they are just going to carpet bomb after losing Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers wasn't the key to that team last year's season. Obviously he's coming off back-to-back MVP honors. I don't, I don't want to discount him, but like that it was more of an Aaron Jones led offense than it was an Aaron Rodgers led offense. So I think they're still going to be pretty competitive. They've got a good defense as well. It's not, I, I still think it's, it's a very competitive roster. And then you look at the bears, obviously they're, they're a team that Justin Fields could take a big year two jump. They, they spent a lot of off season resources uh, on getting a more full roster on both sides of the ball. Um, and, and then the lions obviously are, are a team that's considered NFC North favorites right now. And so you look at the Vikings and, and what did they, they do this off season? Like, they just got continually worse, worse on both sides of the ball. They lost con- significant members, whether it's Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. Um, on, on offense, they lost a couple of key defensive players as well. And you look at that record last year, and you're just like, how did that happen? How was this team 13-4 and four when they were 10-0, and 0, I think, in, in one-score games? Right? That, that just can't happen again. And I understand you have Justin Jefferson, and, and Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, but that is, that is only going to get you so far. And it barely got them as far as they did last year. And what did that result in a quick first round exit in, in the playoffs? So I, if I had to predict, predict the NFC North right now, I would actually have the Vikings last. And I, I don't feel bad about that. I, I, I honestly think that's what's going to happen. But, but when you have a team like the bears that 
I think their range of possibilities could be anywhere from like a 10 win team to a four win team. You, you never really know. But I, to me, I just think the Vikings are are a team that that's headed for a, a rude awakening. And I think, I think Vikings fans even know it at this point. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I think you could easily say the, the spectrum that the Vikings could land on are second in the division behind yeah. the lions uh, to last. Um, like, I would listen to an argument that said Vikings could win the division again, because if the, as long as the chance isn't zero, I'll listen to it, sure. but it doesn't mean it's super likely. I think if the Lions, let's put it this way, if the Lions do what they should do, whatever that is, subjective, I get it, they should win the division and, and feel pretty good about it. Um, if the Vikings get the most out of their stars, if this retooling defense plays above themselves, yes, I can see them finish second in the division, but... With the Packers, if, if you are correct that this is, you know, if you don't think that Aaron Rodgers was really the the, the pivotal thing for the Packers um, and it's Aaron Jones led and LaFleur still works his magic offensively, if that defense, which does have a lot of talent, um, continues to get better, um, they could push for a second. Uh, the Bears, as you said, I think they go the way that Fields does. I think Fields is way too talented to continue kind of being on a lower tier, like how long can he be a quarterback that everyone goes, this dude is talented. Right. He just needs to put it together. How long can that be the sentiment until we move on from it? And he's just unfortunately another quarterback who isn't getting the job done in, in Chicago. Uh, so then if, you know, things bounce the right way for the Bears and Packers, yes, the Vikings could easily be uh, first place. I can honestly see this, be a, uh, see this be a division, excuse me, where none of them have like a really bad record, but like the Vikings could be fourth with a, what would that be seven and 10 record eight and nine around there where like they're all kind of middling. They kind of beat up each other in the division games and they do fairly well outside. But then like the lions maybe win it with 11 or 12 wins if they put it all together and the Packers or whomever could be at nine wins. And then it's like eight and seven. So we've seen that before. So that's probably how I would view the NFC North kind of rounding out. I think no one's like awful, but they kind of keep each other from really breaking through to like a higher tier of the NFL. Yeah, I think that's a, a smart way to overlook the the NFC North. Uh, let's move to the NFC South. Uh, the Buccaneers finished first, obviously, last year, just barely with a thrilling record of eight and nine. Uh, and so what I guess what's your outlook for this division in general? Because to me, it's almost like pick a name out of a hat. And and so, yeah, I think the Bucs are, are definitely a prime candidate to go first to worst. But so I, I, I could literally see any of these four teams finishing last. Yeah, I mean, when you when you go from Tom Brady <laughs> to me throwing the football, <laughs> then you know you're in for a rude awakening, Bucks fans. I'll tell you what, uh, I'm sore right now just walking around the house. So, anyway, jokes aside, uh, you're still going to Baker Mayfield, who showed some life with the Rams a year ago. But like, how much is that? How much do we feel like is that going to transfer? Like, history tells us a lot of things. What does history tell us? Is this more likely? Is he going to, to ball out? Is he going to lead them to a bunch of wins? Or is he going to be, like, fine enough to retain the starting job, but he'll throw probably too many uh, interceptions where, like, he's doing well, but then he takes a step back, you know, two steps forward, yeah. one step back, what have you. Um, it'll be interesting. He's got good players to throw it to. I think they've got still a good nucleus um, around the rest of the team uh, for them to build around. Uh, if they just get adequate, uh, play from the quarterback I think they might be pretty fine but you look at the rest of the division um, obviously we've got Bryce Young with the Panthers Derek Carr with the Saints 
like there's some new faces. There are a lot of new faces in that division. Um, and I would like to think it's up for grabs as well. Similar to, you know, we kind of talked about the AFC North, just like everyone's going to be competitive. Who knows what madness we'll see. Um, this is similar to that division, but like, I, I would say the quality of football is just not as strong. Like yeah. it'll be competitive within their little four group team uh, where they will fight each other. And, but the thing is there's a chance like three of them end up with a, a record less than 500. I, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, we'll see if the rookie quarterbacks can outshine, you know, the veterans that came over. So like if he's young, you know, even competes with Carr in terms of uh, stats by the end of the year, just stuff like that. I think it'll be an interesting division. Um, but I'm not going to like tell you that you should stay strapped to the AFC South or NFC South, excuse me, all year because it just might be a tough watch from the jump. Yeah. And, and interesting enough, our, our friends at DraftKings, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are last in terms of divisional odds to win the NFC South at plus 800, pretty significantly below the Panthers who are plus 400 Falcons are plus 215 and the favorites to win the division are the new Orleans saints. Uh, so yeah. Um, Really interesting division, but I think I think you're right. I think I think the Buccaneers just they they've lost too many players, in, including your quarterback, which is obviously pretty darn pivotal for them to really. I I, I don't know. Are, are you on Are you on the Vikings being more likely to to lose? You know, be last in the division, or, or do you give that to the Bucks? That's a great question. Um, I think if I were to make a snap judgment. I have a little bit of a Vikings bias. I am here in Minneapolis. My wife is from here. So like a little bit of that, but also at the end of the day, when you look at, I think the Bucks core group of players and some recent additions, like that's a much better team to build off of. If you take the Jersey off, like yeah. the Bucks core is much better in terms of like important positions. They still got good receivers. They've got a really good defensive line, pass rush, athletic linebackers. They've got some good young uh, secondary players like, and then you go to the Vikings and you try to match them up and you're like, huh, well, they lose at this position. They lose at this position. They lose there. So honestly, I would say the Vikings, which is just weird because I think they have so much talent at other places. But yeah, I'd probably go Vikings would be more likely to go first doors. All right. Before we get out of here, we, of course, have to bring Rachel Prevet back on the show. I have three questions for you, Ra Rachel. First, who is your first to worst candidate? Most likely Two. What is something awesome you did on your quote unquote summer break? And three, of course, who is the MF double MVP? All righty. Uh, first of all, before I even do any of that, I have to shout out Michael for, you know, popping on last minute because we couldn't have did the show without you. So shout out to you for just being available yes. for us. We love having you on every single time. So thank you for that. Um, I actually went to Cancun, Mexico this summer, last weekend. Oh. And so it was like a little short weekend trip Thursday to Monday, but that was like probably, you know, the highlight of my summer so far. So now trying to get back into a routine. Now the training camp is about to start. I'm just like kind of all over the place. But um, my candidate, I definitely agree with you guys with the Jags. Um, I have the books uh, when it comes to the NFC. And you guys already touched on the reasons why. Michael, you touched on Tom Brady. It's just a lot for them to prove. And so when looking at um, just the quarterback position alone, I'm just not really, really confident in Baker Mayfield, the consistency, the injuries. I just don't see it. Um, and so that's going to be a battle with him and Kyle Trask. But at the end of the day, I just am a little bit more confident in what Michael said as well with the Carolina Panthers, seeing a young, fresh face. Um, 
a new coaching staff. So that's going to be a new head coach. And so I, I think I would go with the Bucks when it comes to the NFC. Um, but for today, it was really close. Like you both did a really great job. You know, it really came down to just, I mean, you kind of guys agreed on everything. It was most I know. <laughs> really, the the news for today, and then these two. But I'm gonna give it to Michael for today. So, shout out to you. <laughs> well, well deserved. Uh, came in in the last minute. Got a baby on board. I'm not. I'm not gonna fight this this decision. Um, yeah. So, Michael, what are you gonna do with your winnings? I'll just tell you what. I needed this. I needed this. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna be humble. Well, I am humble. I, thank you guys very much. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's always fun to 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 get back to the fundamentals and just work on your game and you know when your moment arises uh you don't need luck anymore because you just worked so hard uh but after a weekend we were just uh at a friend's place with their three kids and for the first 12 hours that was a great time and then the rest was um i wanted to leave really badly so to then come here and be able to do this with you guys and make me forget about uh all of that was fantastic so i appreciate it with my winnings um, well, I think there's some free snacks at the grocery store. So I'm going to go get those because that's how much my winnings are worth. Right. This double FMLV. It's, well, it's worth more inside. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hang it on my wall. I think I'm going to print out a little plaque. And put it <laughs> nice. But other than that, uh, couldn't be happier. Thank you so much. Well, Michael, again, I do appreciate you. You fill in. Hopefully by the end of this, you aren't ready to, to leave. Uh, hopefully a little bit more entertaining than a child's birthday yeah. party. Um, but, but either way, uh, Time to time to get out of here, Michael. Uh, one last question, or you know, one last request to, to take us out here. Say okay. something nice about RJ, and this might be a challenge. I well, actually, I already had one kind of locked and loaded oh. just because of our recent well, our recent Twitter exchange. He he was at the San Diego Zoo or uh, recently, and so mm -hmm. it was a picture of him and his wife and, and their their young boy. And first off, I saw his kid, and I was like, "That's RJ!" Like that's. <laughs> Just like the look on his face, I was like, he's his father's son. But I saw RJ's fit and I was like, dad fits just nailed out the <laughs> gate, dude. He had the bucket hat. He had, I think it was like an off-brand sweat wicking t-shirt. Okay. And I think it was probably just gym shorts and then like whatever dad shoes. And I'm just like, this man chose yeah. comfort over any sort of style and you just have to respect it because the san diego zoo is no joke those big city zoos man are expansive and if it's hot it's hot so i was just like dude i respect this so much because you look like you're prepared and that's probably how do i turn that into a compliment good choices to choosing comfort over style and fit and the drip he had none of it but boy was he comfy so um rj take that as a compliment please don't take that as anything else all right. I think that's what's practicality. That's that's today's lesson. <laughs>